0: The internet, the final frontier. These are the episodes by the podcast Masters of Divinity. They do a Star Trek thing every Thanksgiving, they call it Treksgiving. I don't know, JP kind of ripped it off the of BBC, I guess, and it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving. It's ridiculous. Got that uh, Lacroix going. All right, he's,
1: he's, he's drinking Lacroix with, with a in concert shirt, our first album shirt on, and those thick rim glasses and those like really hip headphones. Man, like,
2: yeah, yeah. Says the Tosh of our group. Just keep digging. Oh,
1: <laughs> people love people love his comedy. People love his comedy. Lots of pe- he's people. Love people love in too, man. people. people. I'm not actually making fun of NSYNC. I'm making fun of the fact that you're like, I'm just, I'm not making fun of anything. I'm just kind of acknowledging that you are sort of like, er, hipster in this.
2: Let's just be honest here. That's because I work and I'm up late. So I'm too lazy to put my contacts in my eyes. InSync um, <laughs> is the greatest group of all time. And um, LaCroix just tastes good. It's not because it's cool. I just like it. And it's healthier. Oh.
1: Right. I I have, I have a ton They're of LaCroix in my teeth. fridge. Don't get me wrong. like I love LaCroix. I love coconut <laughs> LaCroix. How, how it's sad just, it's is It's just it? the whole thing together is just a very no. a very amazing image. That's all I'm acknowledging.
2: We're going to have an entire episode that is nothing but an introduction to episodes with this uh, rant here. <laughs> but yeah, except I was depressed when they've they they they've now said, you know, that like LaCroix rots your teeth. What? Oh, so, yeah. It eats away the enamel of your teeth. Oh, man. However, they say that, like, the world's ending, but if you really read into it, it's like, but nowhere near as much as soda. So it's really not, like, a big deal. They're just trying to
1: make something
2: that people evil. The carbonate, the stuff in it, the carbonation and stuff, it throws off the pH in your mouth Uh, and causes enamel to erode. But, again, they're like, but... Not even close to the level of, like, a soda. So I'm like, yeah, okay, like so lemon... if I still don't drink soda and drink this, I'm still doing a million times better. So why are you ripping on me?
1: Yeah, like, lemon juice, lemon, like, lemon, like, like, lemon in water is, like, yeah, horrible like... for your teeth. It's actually worse for your teeth yeah. than if you were to drink a Coke every day. We are born into a world that's trying to kill us,
0: guys. Come on, why are we surprised? Yeah, we, <laughs> we already knew that. The Andromeda galaxy is slowly collapsing into the Milky Way. Hey, speaking of space... <laughs> uh, you know segues well, first of all uh th- thank you for joining us this is masters divinity i'm your moderator jp and i'm here with father chuck and matt wells uh if you didn't already know that hipster um, well apparently hipster matt um yeah. talk hey, hey hipster matt <laughs> father chuck and hipster matt that's yeah, I, like I, that, I like it i like it too even though chuck is more of a hipster but i don't know matt has his moments like like right now for instance um <laughs> You could The look on Chuck's face, that's a discussion later. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about these monikers later. I mean, I... Meeting. Well, the guys, thing is, is, all through seminary we don't get along off the air. If
2: you're listening, <laughs> this is leading to a war. As soon as we stop recording, we all battle it out. And um, it's, it's not good, guys. We're in a dark place right now. I... But. I
1: No, the thing is, why why I gave that look is because I I uh, all through seminary I was told that I was a hipster, and I mean some of it was like in I'll be honest I'm going to be it's Advent I'll be a confessional person right now and that is some of it was intended because you know I was having fun none of these people knew me I could do whatever I wanted, Um, but I um, you know I wore a lot of V-neck shirts like deep V-neck shirts in seminary, and I listened to you know i've always listened to kind of weird obscure music but it's only because of my strict religious upbringing that sort of forced me to have to listen to weird obscure music because that's that's how i could anyway um so i was accused of being a hipster all through seminary so it's nice it's nice to have someone else take it on for a little while cuz it's exhausting to hear it from people for me
2: you know i wonder i wonder if there is a a, court, a cultural correlation between the Christian culture, which was big with, like, our parents' generation raising us and stuff and, like, Christian media, that was always, like, 10 years behind what's modern and cool. Right. A correlation between that and the hipster movement, which is about 10 years behind the things that were cool. Like, if it kind of did move over from a bunch of kids raised in a, a setting where all they could do was go back to things that used to be cool right. and bring it back.
1: Right, like you know, I was allowed to listen to like the music my mom listened to when she was when she was growing up, but I couldn't listen you know I wasn't really expected to listen to the stuff that my friends were listening to, so that meant that I had my options were like I could listen like secular music, I could listen to like the Beatles and stuff like that um yes. but then Which- um. And then, but then within the Christian world, like trying to find something that was even remotely equivalent to what was popular at the time required. You know, forced me to listen to like Tooth and Nail Records, which was a. You know, Brandon Ebel started a super hipster label out of Seattle with Tooth and Nail Records, and so I got exposed to like Starflyer Fifty Nine, Joy Electric, MXPX, and and some things like that, which I think helped lead me in that in that direction.
2: Which which is a,
1: Page you, of the Lion, who so was like ta- the super hipster who's page of the lion is
2: also page of the lion, (laughs) which I didn't even know existed until I met Chuck. See, um, the, I learned about from Keelan. And the funny thing that you brought up with that is I'm starting to see as a parent, how easily it happens with my own children is the parental double standard of like, you can't be involved with this culture. It's evil. But the stuff I enjoyed when I was young, you can listen to that because that's still cool when it's like, um, have you listened to the stuff you used to listen to that you say is okay? It's just as bad. Like, if you want to say it's bad, it's just as bad. It's just it's masked in a different sound because that's what you were into. Hey, like, you can now listen to
1: Ariana Grande. Nine Inch Nails is totally okay, though yeah exactly
2: speaking <laughs> that's, equivalent, our, class, that's yes. our equivalent
1: <laughs> speaking of listening to old music how about james t kirk listening to the beastie boys in the kelvin timeline hey i'm trying to, I'm trying to help segue hey
0: let's get into our actual topic of this <laughs> portion of mm-hmm. the, the anyway <clears throat> guys happy thanksgiving <laughs> um happy thanksgiving uh you know if you're listening um
2: yes we messed up it's not thanksgiving
0: (laughs) yeah uh we're we're sorry for uh being absent for so long um we we planned an an episode to come back uh, a little bit earlier a couple weeks ago uh Um, you recorded an episode (laughs) we recorded an episode uh a nice a very nice touching tribute to stan lee um an episode that I think is actually probably one of our best. Uh, but, uh, I had some technical, technical difficulties and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it gone.
2: <laughs> and, and by technical difficulties, he means he deleted it went, uh, by accident, cleaning out his computer folders. <laughs> he just deleted our, our podcast. No big deal.
0: I, I went through a, a deleting frenzy because my laptop warned me that it was running out of space because podcasts take up a lot of space. Um, And so do movies that you download off of iTunes and stuff. Um,
2: Probably those more (laughs) than (laughs) Um,
0: that. And also videos you kind of make in your spare time. Um, So uh, it it got caught up in a a bit of a frenzy, and I apologize for that. Um, Rest in peace, Stanley. (laughs) Yeah. You were uh, were, uh, excelsior. Um, But on this episode, we're going to talk – this is sort of like one of our fixtures uh, of Master's Divinity, which is Trexgiving, where we talk about Star Trek during the season of Thanksgiving because we are so thankful for Star Trek. Uh, it is a little late, but uh, who cares? We're going for it. That's um, it. So, on this episode of Treks or Trek's giving, whatever, uh, let's. I want to ask Matt. Matt, you've you've been watching Star Trek Discovery. Watched.
2: I'm. Um, Com- completely caught up with everything that is currently, um, in existence.
0: And, so none of us, I, I watched it. and none of us have watched discovery either out of, uh, well, it just hasn't been convenient Protest. and some of <laughs> us, uh, actively avoiding <laughs> starting discovery. Um, so I, I'm interested in hearing, uh, Matt, are we, are we missing anything?
2: I want so bad to say no. I want really? to be like it's awful guys don't watch it. It's horrible and you should skip it. Um because I I'm still so angry about the 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 paid service thing. It just oh it's so annoying, especially with Star Trek. Come on, it's Star Trek. Like right. you know you're going to make a killing however you release it, so why? But um it's so good
1: outside of the United States. It is available on Netflix.
0: It's so cr-
1: I hate I hate being reminded of that. <laughs> but, but guys
2: guys. It's so good. Is it it really? was I was like I watched the first episode and I'm kinda like, Oh, this is just gonna be like, you know, whatever, pass it off, tell people oh, well the good news is you're not But by the end of the first episode, I'm like, Alright, I'll click play on the second one. Okay, I have to watch the third one. What's happening in the fourth one? I finished the whole season. Like and <laughs> and what what I will recommend is um sign up for your free one month trial of cbs all access watch it for free do it tonight um but the problem is now i'm like crap i'm gonna wind up paying for this stupid thing because now i have to see season two
0: and twilight Uh, zone is coming out on cbs all
1: access too let me ask you this matt yes because you've done it are there still commercials no Mm. no there's no commercials it's, um, does that sway you a little bit, Chuck? It, it actually does.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no there's no commercials with it. Um, the theme song. Oh my goodness. Look up the theme song. I love it. It's
1: been a long road. No, <laughs> oh.
2: that's why I love it. Get from there to here. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Ugh.
0: We opened oh, with that theme song last Thanksgiving, by the way. <laughs> um
2: it, it, uh, it's
0: just, it's so okay. good. Okay, let's, let's give, us, give, us overall,
1: no no, give us your overall. No, I'm not gonna change my mind. Okay, yeah, Cause okay. I've got faith
0: to believe. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's gonna... right. It's <laughs> Trek's giving. Um, so, Matt, why don't you just give us your, your general thoughts on Star Trek? Is it, uh, what is it that, that you uh, love so much about it? Like, just give us a general review. Without the, yeah, without spoiling. The,
2: the thing that, well, you guys know my memory is so horrible, I couldn't spoil it if I wanted to. I'd <laughs> have to spend 45 minutes sitting here remembering what happened. I don't um, remember who all the
0: characters are. <laughs> but
2: the thing that I absolutely loved about it was the same thing that when I started the first episode, I was like, oh, this is just kind of going to kind of be whatever. But then I got so into it. And that's that it's Star Trek during war which right. is something that we've never really seen in the sense that, no, wait, <laughs> hold on. Before, uh, uh, hold on. I don't mean that they haven't been in wartime in Star Trek. What I mean by this is this is a ship that its purpose is not exploration. Its, <clears> throat> its, throat> its purpose is, is, is war. And, and
1: Defiant, uh, the defiance purposes was war. Just
2: open open your mouth, say what you got to (laughs) say, be done with
1: it. Um, I was was just pointing out to you, sir, that the final four seasons seasons of Star Trek Deep Space Nine dealt with the Dominion War. It was a time of war for everyone and involves the U.S.'s defiant ship designed by Benjamin Sisko for the sole purpose of doing war with the Borg. Okay, I'm done. I'm out.
2: It's fine. Look, check. Let's be honest, I never saw of Deep Space Nine because I, I didn't get into it when it came out, but that's because I was younger and I was naive and I was stupid. It's not your fault. Um, and it is not Deep Space Nine's fault. And now there's a billion Star Treks, so catching up is like... Anyways.
1: Star Trek fans are pedants? Pedants? Are, are pedant, 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 yeah, pedant, Pedants, pedants, whatever, and uh, and I, I just I I I couldn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt.
2: No, no, you don't have to apologize. I think, because I, think I was obsessed right.
0: by
1: Soul father fun for a moment. I just sure. I couldn't. You
2: you don't you don't have to apologize because you're right, um, and I won't say that again. So enjoy that. You can play it <laughs> on a loop. Matt rarely um, says that, but okay. And, and remember, everybody, as soon as we stop recording, I will kill him anyway. So don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, but. I, I just I really got caught up in the the way that this the Star Trek universe the way it plays out in a situation where you can see kind of the beginnings of what the Federation will become but during a time where they're not like the peaceful it's it's very much like a time of there's paranoia amongst people on the ship with each other there is there's fear and anger and fighting so the way that the uh, the crew interacts with each other and the way that they talk to each other and the way that they see other race like races of aliens and stuff other civilizations it's not this like wide-eyed wonder of let's go find out what they're about it's this cautionary let's be careful and um, approach this and see what's going to happen and be safe. And it's just this very interesting, like subtle difference that when you're watching Star Trek play out, how you're kind of used to seeing Star Trek, and yet nothing about it is what you're used to, um, because it's these little subtle, these little subtle variations that kind of change the way, the way you see it. Um, and I don't know. I find it. I found it very engaging. <laughs> um, Plan intended, and, and
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No. but and it's they, not, I, I, Go ahead, Chuck.
1: I was I'm I'm, I, I'm intrigued by this, but I'm also concerned by it because one Star Trek Enterprise already kind of established sort of this is the thing that bugs me about Star Trek Discovery. Again, having never seen it, just what I've seen on like you know what, what you know gifts I've seen on the internet and little things I've read here and there is that it is that it's it's something that Paramount has a and cbs have had a big problem with in recent years in the star trek franchise and is that they don't really they want something that the fans care about but they kind of do it in the they do it in sort of a backwards way like they'll throw like little like anyway i i, I won't get into that that's, that's, that's really like minutiae but like i guess what 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 can what, what about it why i'm why i'm is that it's set in a time frame where the where like Christopher Pike has the the Enterprise like he's he's captain of the Enterprise Spock's mm-hmm. alive you know um and uh, and is like about to is like either has joined Starfleet or getting ready to join Starfleet because I know he's in season uh, two he, and, he is he and so is
2: he's too a... young I, well, hold on let me catch you on that yeah. one because it's not really a spoiler but he's too young to be in the program yet he's going through like the academy thing at the school and the vulcan officer who is on the ship is actually like kind of a adopted half sister of his right who was passed up for her chance to join the the vulcan academy program thing to be like this ambassador between the two she was passed up because The dad had to choose between the two and he chose Spock. Um, So it creates a very interesting story for her where she's a human raised as a Vulcan who was not given the opportunity to go into the Vulcan human ambassador thing. The position that Spock will be was supposed to be hers, but the father chose him instead of her and said he wants Spock to do it. And um, so she kind of like goes off and does her own thing and finds her own way. But she, but it's very interesting. She's like the human. But she's the adopted human sister of Spock.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is that this is a time period that we know sort of in the Star Trek world and search mm-hmm. universe and the idea that they're establishing it as like a time of suspicion and conflict and all of that seems really out of character for what happens because it's what's so like 10 years before kirk's tenure on the enterprise that that just seems like you know because kirk's time is a very hopeful positive time mm-hmm. so why are they yeah, but why well, are they like that and then, then, then uh, enterprise already kind of showed that humans were very like optimistic it's the
2: particular ship, the Discovery, that we are on that you see the the sort of paranoia in the way um, that they're interacting with people. It's not like the Federation as a whole. What, what you kind of get from the show is that the Federation is trying to be what it's going to become, but they're at war with the Kleons, so what they've had to do is basically they brought in this captain who... Um, who is given permission to basically win the war however he sees fit to win it, because it's it's kind of like um, nothing can progress as long as this is happening, sort of a thing. Okay. Um, so it's really more the one ship that's so drastically different than everything else, and because of that, every interaction you see is kind of tainted by these like. Um, suspicions and paranoias because that's the ship the lens we're seeing it through is everybody interacting with this particular ship not with you know like the universe as a whole Um, and very much plays into where the show goes so the story really explains and i won't you don't have to worry about i'm not going to spoil anything but the story really does explain why this ship is that way and why people who interact with it later, you know, kind of figure out what's going on and why everything around, around the ship is kind of like tainted sort of a thing. Um, but, but it's also, but it's also difficult. Sorry, JP, but it is also difficult, especially for somebody like me who hasn't had the opportunity to like be the guy who sat down and watched every episode of every other Star Trek. Um, It's also difficult because there's so much that they introduce. When you do a show that's like a prequel, you introduce so much that's so obviously a big deal but was never talked about sort of a thing. So it's like, oh, okay, this existed, but we just forgot it existed later sort of a situation. You know what I mean? It's hard when they introduce stuff and it's like, oh, so we just kind of forgot this. So I am curious to see if like later they find like a very star trek way to explain why certain things just sort of vanished out of existence and were never like another thing that was revisited later because for example this isn't a spoiler because within like the first episode you'll learn about it but for example they're attempting a new form of space travel that's not a warp drive right it's like a, a spore drive it's a spore powered drive And it's like, if that existed, whether or not it worked, it would have been something discussed in Voyager when you're stuck on the other side of the universe in the middle of nowhere. And you need to find a way to instantly jump across the entire universe. You would have been like, Hey, isn't there these accounts of the spore drive that they had? Like they would have brought it up. So it's like, you can't create something that was such a big deal and was like the center of the Federation at that point. And then it just isn't in existence after that.
1: Right. That's the thing I'm talking about in terms of like the fan stuff that they they seem to just not, you know, this is a group of people that, that, that we, we thrive on the minutia of Star Trek and to just sort of ignore that it seems like a betrayal of why people gravitate to star Trek. But again, like you said, they could come up with an in universe or they, or they provide gaps where the fans can sort of fill in those gaps, which is always a fun thing to do too. But the, um, but yeah, cause like you talk about that, like the sport drive, it kind of reminds me of the thing in the Kelvin timeline, which is the, the for those who, who, who don't know, that's the term that's used for the, um, the three movies that were, that, that recently came out. Um, that's the Kelvin timeline that um, in the first movie, they have established that Scotty has developed an algorithm that allows for the transporter basically to, like, make every starship in Star Trek obsolete. And, yeah. Yeah. and, then, they, and then they use it in Star Trek Into Darkness. Khan uses it to – oh, sorry, John Harrison uses it to, um, to teleport from Earth to, to Kronos in, like, a second, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a thing that wh- wh- – where would that go? Uh, but
2: but that but see but that's something that Star Trek already found, in my opinion, a genius way to have free reign with whatever they want to do, and that was the introduction of the Kelvin timeline. Because the right. second they jump started a new timeline, they could literally create anything, do anything, and you can't argue because it's a different timeline. So my thing is, so then why do you go back and try and make a show that doesn't exist inside of that? Why don't you just make this show right after the events of that and have this show take place in the Kelvin timeline so you don't have to worry about trying to explain every little thing that you you decide to do? Because if you jumpstart the timeline then we're good. Like, a Star Trek person can't argue with, like, you can't create that kind of a phaser because it didn't exist when when Spock needed... It's like, no, but this timeline didn't exist. We can create anything we want because everything's different because of how this timeline started. Um, and it also would have fit. It would have been this... When I watch the show, and that's literally one of the things I'm thinking... I'm watching the show going, it fits within the... The atmosphere, the universe, the the feel, the look, the characters, they're so perfect for the Kelvin timeline that I'm like, why didn't you just say that's where it is? Not to mention the the, the famous Abrams lens flare thing. I'm so sick and tired of seeing that in this show. Every single (laughs) camera is shining light behind them and glinting
1: off the lens. Um, But anyways my guess my guess is is that cbs and paramount have this bizarre relationship where paramount can distribute movies but not shows mm-hmm. and my guess is because um because um kurtzman is involved with the with discovery that They initially wanted it to be a Kelvin Timeline-based show, but some kind of agreement with the distribution said that CBS can only distribute stuff in like the original timeline. They can't have anything that's adjacent to the movies, and so they were sort of forced to put it in the original timeline. That's my guess.
0: Yeah, it's just – they're just kind of aping the aesthetic just because they think it'll draw more new viewers who are more familiar with the Kelvin Timeline probably
1: right which is and that's the thing that I've also been very fascinated by in the Star Trek world is like and it's the same thing in comic books it's like the, the we got to get new viewers yeah. but like who who do you think that new viewer is like you think that if we make it less like what Star Trek is that we're going to get new people but like i've got a there's a girl here she's a middle school student that is in my that's in my christian fellowship group and she just recently discovered Star Trek with her dad and she loves it and is not a huge fan of like the Kelvin movies and all that. Cause she likes, she likes the, I mean, her favorite show is Voyager for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, and so that's, that's a that's a parental problem. That that, that was a parent's fault. <laughs> no, her parents must have been I've Voyager heard. fans and I've talked,
2: her No, I talked
1: to her dad. Her dad is like a hardcore DS9 fan, and he and I've talked a lot about DS9. And he's like, "Yeah, he's like Linda doesn't like it. She won't get into it." Yeah, well, DS9 is like the hipster of Star Trek. So that's kind of like the
2: equivalent of your parents having tattoos and saying, "These are cool. You should get them."
1: It um, is kind of understood among the Star Trek fandom that Deep Space Nine is the best series. That's I, I the Kelvin's
0: the hipster Star Trek, isn't it? Like, isn't that kind of no, no, Enterprise? No,
1: <laughs> Enterprise
0: is hipster Star Trek. Okay,
1: <laughs> because it's got yeah. there's, a, there's a there's a degree of ironic Chuck, appreciation for it.
2: Chuck, that, it, that it's is true. it's widely accepted among Star Trek fans oh, no. of what age? Because if it's around your age, that would be the hipster Star Trek fans who are the widely accepting Deep Space Nine as the greatest Star Trek.
0: Oh,
1: like it's just out th- I don't know what the age of these people are but that's just what I've, that's what everyone I've ever known He's in the Star Trek tells me they're like deep space before I ever watched yeah. Deep guys they're like deep space is the best Star Trek you need to watch it um yeah, no they I told you that while you
2: were sitting at the coffee shop
1: <laughs> actually here's where the maybe here's where the um here's where the um here's no here here's a good debate on on the hipster Star Trek right uh, Enterprise is probably legit, but but there are people out there who acknowledge that um, that within the Star Trek fan uh, fandom, they they consider um, Galaxy Quest to be part of the family. <laughs> so that might be the that or um, the Orville.
0: Those might be the. Yeah, I mean, there there has been. Um, it allows for a certain degree of superiority. At certain Star Trek conventions, or I guess the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, which I guess is like the official one, right? Yeah, which um, we have to keep at some point. So cool. Um, they they do like countdowns where they have an entire audience rank the Star Trek movies, and Galaxy Quest always makes its way into that list. Yeah. <laughs> aren't they uh, Aren't they still working on a TV show of that? Yeah, yes. Paul Shears, is one of the writers. <clears throat> yeah. See, so I don't. It's gonna be an Amazon I, joint.
2: I I'm kind of excited about that because of Paul Shear's involvement, yeah. but at the same time, now that the Orville's out there, I think it's completely unnecessary. Because I feel like the Orville is such a great equivalent. that It's like why... an equivalent
0: and a riff at the same time, which is genius.
2: Yeah, well, what like I... why tra- Well, that's like when Galaxy Quest came out, What was it, what was surprising and what we loved about it is it was like it was a parody, but a genuinely good. Like if it were a Star Trek movie, it's like a parody of a Star Trek movie while purposely being an also great Star Trek movie like it, you know what I mean it just they yeah. they played it out in a way where it's like Maybe. look we're totally going to point out how ridiculous and stupid this is but we also love it so we're going to do it how it should be done and treat it the way it should be treated so you got this like yeah. goofy comedy that was still a great like uh, i mean when it came out it was like the best star trek movie we'd had in a long time when it came out um <laughs>
1: Well, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's kind of like how Seth MacFarlane was with um with his uh Family Guy parodies of the Star Wars movies, where it's like pointing out the silliness of the whole thing, but also clearly comes from a place of love. Yeah. Um, and then you know that same aesthetic and that same sensibility made its way into Orville. But I will say the thing about the Orville, I love the Orville. Um, I still but haven't I haven't caught up. I really, 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 really want to though. I, I, I'm not behind is, on that one. See, the thing I love about it is that it. And what's, I mean, what's frustrating about it is there are people who wrote it off because they're like, oh, it's not funny. Well, but, they only watch the pilot,
0: which is what TV critics do, and it's kind of really annoying.
1: Right. And the thing is is that when you get into two or three episodes of the show, you realize that the jokes taper off really quick. And that – because the, the background behind it is Seth MacFarlane had been lobbying for years to make a new Star Trek show. And he almost got it, but then Paramount wouldn't – you know, whatever the decision was, they wouldn't let him have it. And so it's clear that the Orville is the show that he wanted to make, the Star Trek show he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's pretty clear from the very first episode they established that it's set in a timeline in a time frame that would be equivalent to just after the next generation Voyager time frame. And it's um and there's just, you know, there's a lot of there's just a lot of things in it that make it very, very Star Trek, plus just the sheer amount of Star Trek alumni who've been affiliated with it. Yeah. Um I mean, just... Yeah,
2: the yeah the the people, the people who have been directly involved with the on screen portrayals
0: of everything we know as Star Trek have totally dove in and loved that show. And not just them, but like whole like writers and directors from the original yeah, from but... a different series are are involved with the show too. Like, is, yeah, I think uh, Mark Brandon Braga is. Yeah, Brandon Braga is like a producer on it or whatever. Or Brandon
1: Braga, the um, the uh, I think Mark Okuda, um designed the ship. Really, he, he, he designed all the ships in the in the next generation era yeah, um, yeah. Star Trek stuff. Um, I think um, yeah, and then um, the guy played Tom Paris um, has directed an episode. Frakes Jonathan Frakes has directed a few episodes. Um, mm-hmm. There've been tons of cameos from next gen people. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's a great show just in and of itself. I love yeah. the Orville, and I'm That's- glad that it's coming back. Um, I was worried about it because Fox has a terrible track record with science fi- with sci fi. Yeah,
0: really but.
1: Um, but I love that. It, I, but here's the thing. And the, getting back to the CBS All Access conversation, Matt, the reason why I was asking about the commercials thing is I actually don't really care that much about Discovery. Like I, I, I'd like to check it out, but I'm not, like, jonesing to go see it. Um, what I'm keeping my eye on is the, and the horizon is uh, this this here uh, Jean-Luc Picard show that will be airing on CBS Access. I was going to ask I, you guys about that see if you I it, uh, am –
0: I, I think I have to pay for CBS All Access because I, I, I got I I love the music of Jean Luc, and from what I understand, and I haven't really read up on it in a, in a long time because nothing really concrete. I don't. know don't think like anything really concrete has come through yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, it is going to take place like concurrent, like like pretty current in, in Star Trek lore, right? Like so it'll be
1: set roughly around the same time as um, as. As the age of the, At the time of Picard um,
0: In the season The series finale of generation so F- for the first time In nearly 20 years Star Trek is going forward In time I know I know <laughs> Well and if Or they, keeping it present at least Well and Alex
1: Kurtzman's involved and There's been a lot of people talking about You know what it's going to be But if Alex Kurtzman's involved I, I, I think we can We can safely assume um, He wrote um, What was called Star Trek Countdown Um, which was a comic series that was the lead up to the first Kelvin Timeline movie and it deals with Picard and all of the next gen crew and their interactions with Nero and Romulus and the the destruction of Romulus, which is the event that precipitates Nero going back in time and and encountering um, um, Kirk's dad. So I, I would imagine that they're probably going to treat that as canon, and that Picard is probably the ambassador to Vulcan, which is what he is. Which is what he is in the uh, in that comic. I think. I think he's the ambassador to Vulcan. He might be the ambassador to Romulus, but um, huh. anyway, he's he's an ambassador. He's not a captain anymore. And in that timeline, what's cool is Data is the captain of the Enterprise. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's B four, but he's got Data's memory implants on him, or whatever. But he's um, Data's the captain of the Enterprise. Uh, Worf has gone back to the Klingon Empire, and I can't remember what Riker. Riker's an admiral. Um, okay, I know that. I know that. Um, that. Um. um uh, gosh, Brent Spiner, the guy who plays Data has said that he, probably, he, he he as far as he's concerned, Data's a retired character because Data's supposed to be like eternally youthful, and he's not sure that he could ever – I don't know if they have access to like that de-aging technology that made uh, Robert Downey Jr. look so young in, uh, in uh, yeah. Civil War. But or they,
0: they're also doing a Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, but if they got access to that technology, then maybe, maybe Data could be in a few episodes, but yeah. – um, I'm excited for it. I'm I i want to see it. I'm glad and it, it also speaks to something you just talked about, JP. It's the first time in twenty something years, whatever, that Star Trek is going forward rather than going to going backward. And which is risky. Um, right. and it also allows for some of my most beloved favorite characters from Star Trek to make appearances, people that desperately need a little bit of follow up, like Benjamin Sisko. Um, um, and, and some others, um, since Matt hasn't seen Deep Space Nine, I won't spoil anything, but, um, there are a few characters, especially from the Deep Space Nine era that need, uh, that are desperately in need of a little bit of a follow-up.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I haven't watched, uh, Deep Space Nine in a long time and I don't, I don't think I finished it. So (laughs) we're all going to get spoiled. I don't know how I'm going to be able to catch up. Like I, I always try guys. It is so hard to, at this age to, uh, Binge entire like old shows, especially shows from like the days of where binging wasn't a thing. Um, quick aside, uh, ding trivia moment, uh, JP's trivia moment. I learned this week, and do you guys know where? Um, <clears throat> do you guys know where the television marathon uh, originated? Um,
1: I want to say I'm probably wrong on this. But I want to say – my guess is the uh, the 24-hour running of The Christmas Story on TBS every year at Christmas time.
0: No, it goes back even further, my friend. I figured that probably goes further back, but that was a guess. Uh, it started with Nick at Night. Oh, right. Uh, because what they would do is whenever they would introduce a new show and announce, hey, we, we got the license for a new classic show that hasn't gone into reruns yet – or when they get, got rid of a show out of the rotation, they would always do a marathon, and it was inspired by the two guys who created Nick and I, who used to be radio DJs. When they would do marathons of bands and stuff, they're like, "Well, what if we did that in TV?"
1: That so right. And I, I totally forgot about
0: that. Started the marathon, and that's uh, that's where that's how we get binge watching.
1: <laughs> dude, dude, I loved me, I, I loved me some Nick at Night as a kid.
0: I did too. I, I you know, I had this, I had this nostalgic moment. Uh, this week where I, 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 usually watch like MTV, uh, old MTV commercials and items just to kind of get creative ideas for our own kind of marketing strategy and stuff. Yeah. And, um, on my playlist, at uh, uh, the Nick and Knight promos came up and I was like, Whoa, I haven't watched these in years. And I was like, wow, they took me back. And I just made me, it re- just made me remember how much I used to love Nick and I as a kid watching green acres and Dick Van Dyke. And yeah, uh, dude. What about you, Matt? Do you remember Nick at night Were you already in bed? Cause you guys were East coast. I was a central one when I was watching Nick and I, so it didn't come on. We used, that to, watch, where I was. We used to watch Nick at night.
1: I love
0: I, Lucy. I dream of Jean.
1: I get yeah, it. I, my, my, my memories of Nick at night B-O-H, were when, were, old. were when, um, was, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show was on. Yes. Me too. And I watched that every night with my mom. And it was new to me, and I
0: was—I uh, cried at the at the series finale when we finally watched it. <laughs> do you do you remember what they used to do for St. Patrick's Day on Nick at Night? Did they
1: did they did they green tent the black and white? I can't remember. They,
0: they green tent like their entire lineup. <laughs> So, but anyway, that's just an aside. Uh, little oh, thing man. I learned this week about marathons. If so, if so, this whole marathon craze where you're binge watching and marathons on TV, it all started with Nick at Night.
1: Man, can yeah. I just I, I just as an aside, I I love whenever we talk about nineties tele nineties era television because I think of things like Nick at Night, and then I think oh Nickelodeon in general, but Nick at Night mm. in particular, and then Cartoon Network and how they were doing such just subversive things because they were like given sort of like, no one cares about this. It's free. Just make yeah. it, make it interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, agree with you. Um, but I wanted that aside just to say it, it's so hard. Um, you know, last year I got the idea to do tricks giving because I was in the process of marathoning next generation. And I went through the painful, torturous, Experience that is the first two seasons of Next Generation. And I was, just, I was like, I just want it to end. I just want it to end. I just want it to end. Uh, but, I mean, not to say there aren't good episodes, there are definitely good episodes. Measure of Man in the first season is very good. Um, and there's some other ones peppered throughout. But for the most part,
1: oh, God, it's so bad. I, w- I watched Star Trek uh, Next Gen, uh, you know, not too long ago, too, JP. And I remember being surprised at how much of a jerk Picard is in the first season.
0: Yeah, I did, too. I, that, I was just surprised by that, too. He, hes a, they, they totally make him out to be like a hard ass. Yeah. Like, like a, like a, almost like a, like, like a vice principal from an eighties movie. <laughs> right. What, but what I like about what I do like, but is there's is no misfits do, to rage against. So, <laughs> right.
1: Well, what I like about it is how he, you, you do see a character progression. And I do like how the final, the final shot of him interacting with the crew in the, in, in all good things, which is a series finale blends perfectly into the way they characterize him in the movies mm-hmm. because he's very different in the in the next gen movies and yeah. And I think it, I think it's a natural progression of his character, I um, yeah, a lot of people in the movies, <laughs> yeah, I mean they do make him more of an action star in the movies, which is yeah. kind of weird, but he but like the way that he interacts with the crew that um like throughout the series, i think um it was Devin Farachi who said that he always got the sense that like these are people they, they don't hang out outside of work, like they just work together, <laughs> um, but that like in the movies though, Picard is like chummy with the crew. But yeah. they, kind of, they kind of established that at the, at the very end of, of, um, of, 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 all, of all good things about, like, why that happens in the movies, which I, I think is kind of neat they did that.
0: I mean, they don't go on camping trips and sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat and climb mountains <laughs> together. but And eat marshmallows. Stuck in the is so bad. <laughs> it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Um, the anyway. mountain. <laughs> Matt, have you seen that video? Um, with William Shatner with, was it, was it El Capitan in the background? Yes. And he's like, Kirk is making love to the mountain. (laughs) Have you seen that? No. No. We're going to send it to you. We're going to post it on our Facebook.
1: Because Shatner directed Star Trek V and it was all about Shatner indulging
0: himself. He tries so hard to get deeply philosophical about Kirk and like why he's out in nature and stuff. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, oh, God. That guy is an enigma. Uh, just, Here's what I want to know, Matt. <laughs> does Cybok make an appearance
1: in uh, in Discovery? I want Cybok to make an appearance. Who's Cybok?
0: Spock's Cyborg. brother
1: from Star Trek V. The guy who becomes a cult oh, leader. Oh,
0: that's right. That, yeah. Okay. No, Matt is unenthusiastically shaking his head. Now. <laughs> okay. All the, right. Uh, Cyborg. It's kind of like it, I don't know. Just if they did it, they,
1: if they could find a way to redeem him, just like how I sent you, you know, that 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 panel from uh, a couple months back from um, Michael Brian Michael Bendis' run on the new Star Superman comic, and they had the the Nuclear Man make an appearance <laughs> from Star Trek Star Trek Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh yeah, that's
0: right. Oh God, nice. Okay, well that's all the time we have for uh, for Treks giving. No, Even though we, we we gotta talk about Star Trek. We talked about Star Trek. That's, yeah, we did. We're good. Mm. Little, little Star Trek, Star trek, trek
2: was in like every word we said. And I don't know <laughs> if we were talking about it, but we <laughs> we said the words Star Trek a lot. Our um, our uh, Star Treks per minute are up to par, so we're good.
1: Okay, all right. And, so
2: and if you doubt Star Trek, Star Trek, go ahead.
1: What so... is it? Some kind of trek through the stars, or go on some kind of Star Trek? <laughs> what is it that? What's it that Farmer Hoggett says? uh i sorry, Zephyr Cochran says in First Contact. I don't remember. He makes this line where he actually says the phrase Star Trek in. Con- he tries to drop the phrase Star Trek in conversation. I think he <laughs> like says something is- about like a trek to the stars. It's so forced and corny. It's like the Yeah.
0: They they're they're in the spaceship. Like, no, no, no. I know the I know the scene. They're in the spaceship. He looks to Riker and he looks he looks to LaForge and he's like, "So this is some sort of suicide squad?" <laughs>